You can be happy. You can be fundamentally happy with life. I wonder how you feel as I say that. Thinking, all right, where's Simon going with this today? What's he on about? Where are we going to get to? Now, the reality is that's the claim of most things in life, in our world, isn't it? It's the claim of relationships. It's the claim of jobs. It's the claim of beauty products. It's the claim of holidays. It's the claim of pay rises. It's the claim of a lot of things. You can be fundamentally happy in life. But today, it's the claim of Psalm 1. Just have a look back there at verse 1. Blessed is the one who. That word blessed, um, in other translations, it could be happy. It starts off by saying, happy is the one who does this. Someone, as we begin today, is saying, you can be happy. And as we go through the rest of the psalm, it gives us these two characters, the blessed and the wicked. I wonder if you've ever seen those things on the internet. Um, there's two kinds of people in the world, and then it gives us two kind of options. People who do this or people who do this. Let me give you a few examples. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who set an alarm the minute they need to wake up, and those who set ten alarms every ten minutes for ten times before they need to wake up. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who like bacon and those who are wrong. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who eat chocolate one square at a time, wrap it up again and keep it safe, and those who eat chocolate one bar at a time. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who let notifications build up on their phone and those who won't let one single notification lie for more than 30 seconds. Now, they're funny, aren't they? they they're clever because immediately you can just think of the person who that describes. You probably turned to them and looked, as I said. They're clever and they're funny. But the reality is they convey some kind of truth. They try to polarise humanity, just give us two options for the way everyone works. There are two kinds of people in the world. And here as we come to Psalm 1, there are two kinds of people in Psalm 1. And we see their names in verse 1. The blessed and the wicked. And right the way through, as we read through the psalm, we read the differences between these two kinds of people. The um, book of Psalms is often referred to as the prayer book of Israel. It, it basically models the prayer life and practice of the Israelites as they reflect on the Torah, God's law to them in the first couple of books of the Bible. So as we read the, this now, in light of what's happened in the rest of the Bible, we read the Psalms as a model prayer book of how we're to reflect on what's gone on. There are two kinds of people in the world. We see the blessed and the wicked. Have a look back at verse 1, the blessed. The definition of the blessed begins with this treble of dozens. You know, sometimes the most striking way to describe what someone's like is to describe what they don't do. And that's exactly what we see there. Just have a look back. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It gives us a picture of what the blessed person doesn't practice, doesn't accept, doesn't identify with. 
They don't identify with that which is evil. We get a true, pure and blameless picture of this person. And what they do, have a look at verse 2, is they delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. The wicked don't delight in the Lord. The wicked don't meditate on his word. They do walk with wicked, stand with sinners, sit with mockers. That's what we can assume from that. See, the blessed has that pure and blameless persona. See, as we look at the two kinds of people in the world, we can't help but ask the question, who do we feel like? And I wonder, just stop at this point, which character do you immediately identify with? The upright, blameless, blessed one who delights in the Lord day and meditates every night, never does anything wrong, or the wicked one? See, this psalm, it presents the happy life, but is it just an unattainable picture? See, immediately there, as we see these two kinds, is it just something that we're never going to get to? I follow a guy on Instagram, um, a guy I race against quite a lot, and his Instagram handle is Happy Life Quest. I really like this guy. I spend a lot of time talking to him when I go to races. But from his blog and his pictures, it's very clear what he's all about. He's just desperate in his quest for a happy life and he's been very open and honest writing about um, severe depression and um, a very difficult process but the reality is he's just desperate for a happy life is it is it just unattainable there as we see this picture in psalm 1 how we answer this question how we identify of how we identify with these two characters shapes then how we read the rest of the psalms See, we could look at this psalm and say, this psalm is purely instructional. If you meet these criteria, then you will be the blessed person. And all that happens to the blessed person will happen to you. We could read it as kind of aspirational. Oh, let's try as much as we can to be like that blessed person, and then we might get something of what that blessed person has. Or we could read it as a kind of idealistic psalm. We're never going to be quite like that blessed person, but let's try to see if we can live like that in all, all that we can. But the reality is, if we read just in those three ways, the outlook is pretty bleak when we get later on into the psalm. The truth is, in and of ourselves, we do not have the power in us to be the blessed person described. If it was just down to us, we can't attain this level of blessedness, blamelessness. So we get these two descriptions, blessed and wicked. How we read in who we are sets up the rest of the psalm. And we can tell from these two statuses that come in verse 5. There's a stark difference between the pair just in their status. Have a look there at verse 5. The wicked will not stand in judgment. The wicked are under God's judgment. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that this level of attainment 
is not possible in and of ourselves it is not possible cannot achieve by us Romans 3 verse 10 to 12 says this it makes it as clear as anywhere else no one is righteous not even one no one understands no one seeks God all have turned away they have to together become worthless no one no one no one is good enough that this is not popular it's not easy to stomach in fact I was at a university the other day and we were sat around talking about this very concept and the guy turned back and said actually I'm okay I'm pretty good and he was so sure because his comparison was the people around him see the position of the wicked person in Psalm 1 is all of us it's what we all deserve so why then are we wasting our time reading this psalm that describes no one well we all we'll probably all know that the one man who could live up to this character and did attain this status is Jesus and in all that he did achieved and offers he offers us his, his righteous place before God we claim that righteous position if we trust in the saving work of Jesus Romans 5 verse 11 says this therefore since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness combined with our faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of Jesus's work that position before God is ours now if we have faith in who Jesus is and what he's achieved it's ours right now and so the happiness described here is one that we can experience only though by this fundamental shift of status so true happiness is fundamental not superficial this might be ringing true to you today you might not call yourself a Christian even coming today and that experience of chasing after happiness time after time in superficial things is something that's repeatedly disappointed you in life you might have spent your whole life chasing after career after relationships after success pay rise after pay rise and yet still not feel happy this psalm and the rest of the Bible says to you today that in order to be happy you must undergo a fundamental change by accepting Jesus's offer of new life to experience this happiness see it's when we find our status in Christ then that's the lens in which we view the rest of this psalm and the Psalms when we trust in Christ we're also given the Holy Spirit which changes us to have our experience more like the experience of what's going on here so when we read verse 2 we should expect that to be our experience we could never get there in our own power we could never attain that level of, t of attainment but if we have a new identity that's what we should expect but look it's obvious isn't it the the reality is this is really hard it's hard in our life now we can't expect that lifestyle change to be easy and to happen in an instant 
But we need to be careful with words like try and work in how we say these things. Because these words aren't compatible with how this fundamental status change has happened. We don't work to be more like the righteous person. We don't try to have that more, of a, more as our experience. We can't try to be righteous. This is a fundamental change that has happened when Jesus dies for us. But part of the work of the Holy Spirit in us is that our affections are changed to be more like this experience. See the, these two words, blessed and delight? They show that when we trust in Christ, we will want to be godly. They're a change in desires, not a change of action. It is a conscious effort still, but it's not passive. It's Christ in us changing us. It's a fundamental change, not a superficial one. We so often hang our happiness on the things that go on in our life, don't we? Rather than what our life is all about. I was thinking about this week and I was just so convicted of how I hang my happiness on what's going on in my life rather than what my life's all about. Don't hang your happiness on how well your baby has slept, on how well your doctor says you are, on how well your children are achieving at school, on your latest uh, sporting performance, on your latest pay rise, on your job satisfaction, on how much people like you. Don't hang your happiness on things like these that change that are superficial. <coughs> Instead, our happiness, in view of Psalm 1, is found in the absolute fundamental of a status change that comes from Jesus. It's only then that our happiness is guaranteed. See, all those things that offer happiness which you're not sure you can depend on, which change all the time, which you're not sure they'll last, not sure if they're even genuine. They are superficial, but our position before God is absolutely guaranteed if we trust in Jesus. And that change is fundamental. See, Psalm 1 is not a list of instructions that I don't quite meet. It's not aspirations of what I should hope for in this life. It's not even a list of morals which should shape my thinking. Psalm 1 is two statuses, righteous or under, under judgment. Psalm 1 is the offer of a happy life that is experienced, that is gifted to me in what Jesus has done. And that's a fundamental change. With these two statuses come two experiences, deep-rooted or not-rooted. I was um, walking through the garden quarter a couple of weeks back um, while we were staying with Johnny and Caroline, and we walked past a conquer tree, and there was a very young boy um, said to his mum, I want to go and find some conkers. And the mum was um, probably being... Um, well, she was, she was a bit hopeful in teaching her little boy. She was trying to really go for it in how she explained conquer trees. And they got to the first conquer tree. Uh, uh, they got to the first tree. And she, he said, I can't find any conkers anywhere. 
And the, the mum said, well, th that's because this isn't a conquer tree. Conquers only come from conquer trees. And he said, so he said, okay, all right, let's find a conquer tree. So he walked on onto the next conquer tree, uh, uh, onto the next tree, which was a conquer tree. Now he looked up, looked at the tree, he said, mommy, this is a conquer tree. And she said, yes, but there aren't any conquers. Now at this point, she was really hopeful. And she, she was trying to explain that conquers come from trees only when a tree has enough nutrients for the conkers to be grown enough to get to the right point in the season for them to drop off the tree. Now, I mean, all the best teaching a little, very little boy all of this. But see, what she was trying to communicate to a boy that was probably far too young was two things. Firstly, conkers only come from conker trees. Secondly, conkers only come from trees when they've had enough food. I would have probably put it a little bit simpler, but anyway. Um, see, her two things were really helpful for us. Conkers only come from a tree which is a conquer tree. This fruit of happiness only comes from us if we have this fundamental change. But also, we've got to have our nutrients. We come to these two pictures of the tree and the chaff, and the tree is a picture of the blessed person. Have a look at verse 3. The person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Their tree is rooted in streams of water. See, its growth is shaped by what it takes in. Now, in the Christian life, you can't just specifically attribute every piece of growth in the Christian life to what, it takes, to what we take in as Christians. We do grow according to what we take in. This is what Matthew 6:22 says, "The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light." If we fill our minds with God's law, delighting in God's law as this psalm says, it will shape us. It will shape our growth. The original users of the psalms would model the right way to reflect on God's Torah. Now, in light of God's unfolding storyline in the whole Bible, we now use the Psalms to reflect on the richness of the Old Testament and how they're fulfilled in Jesus. See, knowing more about the Bible should bring more than just knowledge. It should bring depth of relationship as we relate to God. Will you be like a tree planted by streams of water? See, if we've been made righteous and we're living more like the Blessed One, we should want to fill our minds and hearts with that nutrients. You might be looking at me now thinking, well, how can I be happy? You know what's going on in my life right now. You know the baggage that I have. You know this personal issue, this health issue, whatever it is. How can I really be happy. See, true happiness is found deep-rooted, is found beyond personal circumstances. We experience this fundamental happiness even we, when we are out of season. Have a look at verse 3. Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. See, even out of season we should expect to bear fruit. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 says this, 
In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See, joy, rejoicing, comes with happiness even in the midst of difficult times. How can we possibly do that? Well, we have this permanent joy, happiness, from having a deep root in God. This acknowledges that the, life, the, the Christian life isn't just plain sailing. It's not straightforward. It's not easy. We're not always to have a beaming smile and skip down the roads. Even in difficult circumstances, we can have happiness by having this fundamental change and a deep-rooted relationship with God. How can we do that? by regularly filling our minds with the delight of God's word. I bought a daily devotion book last week. Um, Here it is. It's called My Rock, My Refuge. It's a year of devotions through the Psalms. Um, It's by Tim Keller. I'd recommend it. I've read, I've literally read a couple just to see what it's about. I'd recommend it. It starts on January the 1st. So buy it as a Christmas present. And we can do exactly that. We can reflect on the Psalms and spend a year doing that. See, true happiness is found when we find it in God and not in ourselves. This comparison of the rooted and not rooted, it's simply where we look to find our happiness. True happiness is found rooted in God, in his word and in his promises, not in pursuing happiness itself not in pursuing ourselves so if you're sat there thinking fundamentally i'm not happy it sounds like this is making sense i'm not finding happiness where i'm looking for it then god is telling you today you must trust in christ and find happiness in the life that he offers the psalm you'll notice doesn't describe someone who looks for happiness It doesn't even describe someone who finds happiness. It's someone who is happy by being obedient to God's law. See, as we look to uh, deepen our relationship with God, we shouldn't look to find happiness. We We shouldn't pray to God, please make me happy. But God, please make me obedient. And there we will be happy. See, if we look solely for happiness in our life, if that becomes our goal, we'll never find it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, pursue happiness. It says pursue righteousness. It says pursue love, peace, but be happy. It's so sad, isn't it? That those people desperate to find happiness might never find it. My friend, happy life quest. That might go on forever. True happiness is found in God and focused in God, not in ourselves and and our sinful desires. It's rooted in God and his promises. Because the warning is that if we don't make that commitment to Jesus, in bleak contrast we have verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Chaff is mentioned a number of times in the Bible. Its days are numbered, it's helpless. The reality is 
the person who's not rooted in the truth of the Bible will be repeatedly taken in by each passing thing in our culture. Each thing that on the surface offers happiness but never delivers. They'll be repeatedly pursuing happiness but never found happy. Those two experiences, deep-rooted or not rooted. But the shocking thing is their destiny. There's two destinies, destruction or watched over by the Lord. Because true happiness is lasting, Psalm 1 says. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. It is the just and right end for disobedience against God. But fundamental, deep-rooted happiness is eternal and personal. This psalm is lovely in its personal description, in who do you identify with, Will you walk with the wicked, stand with sinners, sit with mockers, or will you be united with Christ, be rooted in his word, and be watched over by the Father? This psalm shows that the the Christian life is one of association. It's associated to God by the work of Jesus. This psalm brings us great confidence because our status is one that is won by Jesus. The bar of the blessed life is achieved only by Jesus and the mark of his new identity is the change in our affections. We have that confidence that our hope is secure in his work and there, there we will be happy. There are two kinds of character, blessed and wicked. We've all lived in a wicked way and don't deserve a righteous status, but there are two statuses, righteous or under judgment. We all deserve God's judgment, yet the offer of Jesus' righteousness is given to us. That true happiness comes from a complete fundamental change when we accept Jesus' status. Then there's two experiences, deep-rooted in God's promises, God's words, or not rooted. True happiness is only found deep-rooted in God, not in ourselves. And there's two destinies, destruction or watched over by the Lord. True happiness is lasting. And with each of these, we have a daily decision to make, which really comes down to this one decision Will we daily want to find ourselves in Christ? Will we place ourselves there? Will we be rooted by streams of living water? Let's pray. Father, thank you that as we read this psalm and we are aware so quickly that we fall short of your perfect righteousness that Jesus has given us his position before you. Father, please would you help us daily to recognise this fundamental change. And Father, please might you help us to daily find our confidence, our happiness in your promises to us, in your word to us. 
Father, please might you help us to maintain perspective of eternity as we see a relationship with you more important than anything else. Amen.